Victoria College is a public, open admission college. Our mission is to provide educational opportunities and services for our students and the communities we serve. For more information, please visit us at www.victoriacollege.com to schedule your tour. Welcome in to episode 70 of The Grid, the show that is hailing to the victors. The Michigan Wolverines are national champions for the first time since 1997. So for our, all of our listeners in, in Ann Arbor, which there are many, you know, toast up to the Michigan Wolverines team 144. But more pertinent news in Victoria. Mike, we were out on the basketball court Friday night. You were at Victoria West. I was at Victoria East. You had the girls. I had the boys. And we'll start with you. The East and West, the you know East-West rivalry. The girls are playing each other, and Victoria East, their experience, their talent, their you know everything just shines through, and they get you know another district win over Victoria West. Yeah, I mean East is uh, they're like you said, they're an experienced team. Uh, they don't panic. Uh, they they play pretty much within the system that Coach uh, Wimbish North wants them to play. Um, you know, they got off to a slow start. West scored the first five points of the game, but then they settled down and uh, kind of took control. They uh, they were never able to totally pull away, but they they kept a comfortable lead most of the game. And um, there were a couple of things I noticed. Uh, the experience, like we mentioned. The other thing was their quickness. Uh, well, those that, two those two guards up oh, top, yeah. Randall well, see, and Valentine, and you know, as as you mentioned about Morgan, the little freshman yeah. from West, she's extremely quick, but she she wasn't quicker than Sanaya Randall or Avery Val. Yeah. You know, Avery. That's a tough matchup yeah. for her because that yeah. they've been, they those two have been around the block a little bit, so they've kind of seen everything. Yeah. And Zay Morgan, I think she. I was going to ask you about her because I think she's really talented. Oh, she a, is. She's, she's going to be really good here for a long time. Yeah. But it is. She is young. She is still green, uh-huh. and going up against a, just that experienced of a group, it can be tough. Well, yeah, because. Uh, Randall was able to pretty much eliminate her ability to penetrate because she was quick enough to move into the paint with her. And, um, you know, I think Morgan will have a lot of success with that against a lot of people. But against, you know, Randall being that quick, it hurt her. Um, The other thing that I was kind of impressed with with West – and in fact, uh, after the game, Coach Rankin Williams was talking to me about is uh, their their shooting, their three point shooting. They're not afraid to yeah. shoot, and uh, she said she encourages that. You know, a lot of coaches don't like that, but she said she encourages. She she referenced her son, yeah. who of course that he scored, he shot a lot of threes, but uh, and they made some threes. Uh, they had a girl, Lacey, coming off the bench who I was very impressed with. She can shoot the ball. Yeah, Rankin Williams likes her depth this year. She yeah. thinks like they, you know, they they have like you know, Zay Morgan and uh, Charlie Scott are kind of those are really the two like the go tos in a sense. But you know, the next like six seven girls on down, you kind of trust. She kind of trusts equally over there. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and and basically too. Let's. Let's face it, uh, they had no answer for uh, the paint Uh, underneath the basket. I mean, so KK Cleveland did not play in the game that I went to go mm -hmm. watch Victoria East. Talk to me about her because she was a massive impact player in that one. She's an important part of this team. Yeah, basically, it was uh, 
you know, uh, I think she had 17 points. And, I mean, the guards were just p trying to penetrate and feed it to her. And once she got the ball, I mean, Wes couldn't stop her, basically. She might have missed some shots, but uh, they – it w I mean, she was pretty much having her way under the basket. And, uh, she's come a long way. I think she's uh, – that's a big weapon for East because, uh, you know, that that's their go-to, really. I mean, they can rely on the guards if they have to, you know, because obviously uh, Avery Valentine can shoot threes. Uh, I noticed in their win over Miller last night that uh, Nevia Sanchez had yeah. 21. And she was on last night, you know, but your shooting is going to come and go. Right. But as long as you can penetrate and get the ball to the post, and if you have that advantage in the post, you're going to be pretty good shape. Yeah, I like I like kind of the balance that East has. And even when I had covered them early in the season and Cleveland wasn't playing, uh, Coach Wimbush North was still there. Like, we want to get the ball inside. We want to get the ball inside. And these are, you know, the second and third string girls she's talking about of, you know, who she wants Valentine and Randall and all them to feed it to. And so unsurprising to me that that's an emphasis for this team. And, yeah, I mean, the East, I've been just the more – kind of the more we learn about them, the more impressed I am. And I just they, – they're such a balanced basketball team. Yeah, and the, the one thing that uh, Wimbush North said that she was concerned about, she was not happy with their switching – on defense they got caught a couple of times and uh west was able to take advantage of it and that's something i think that they're going to have to clean up as they go yeah. forward into the playoffs but um you know this is a team that, that can make a little bit of a run yeah this is a team that has real aspirations of a district title and they're you know unbeaten in north zone play right now so on their way to doing that i was over at victoria east where Mike, I tried to warn everybody, don't put too much, you know, don't put too much in the results of the Mike Smith Classic. There's some interesting matchups here. And Victoria East beats Victoria West 54-43. And this was, you know, you, you'll hear me say, anyone who's talked to me about basketball has heard me say perimeter size. I love, I love teams that have perimeter size. In East, they don't have a true big guy. They don't have anyone, you, you know, like the East girls have KK Cleveland. Yeah. They don't have anyone like that. You just throw it into and they can go get a bucket or, you know, post up anything like that. But Nigel Prater, Braylon Vasquez, Braden Cates, long, lanky, athletic guards. And that's what gave West a lot of problems. West offense could not, they could not play at the temple they wanted. They could not really get off the ground. They could not get into a rhythm and the perimeter size and athleticism of East and really just their overall defensive, you know, stability gave West problems the entire game. And that was a, you know, that, that was a story. And that was the one thing we, you know, when I talked about the last couple of weeks, you know, you, you watch these teams play and I'm watching them play. I watch them each play four times in a two game in a two day span. So I'm thinking, okay, how's this matchup going to go? And that's the one thing it's like, man, West has looked way better in this tournament, but if those two teams are on the floor together, how does West? deal with east perimeter size how does east perimeter size you know how do those athletes do against west and sometimes you just get out athleted and i think that's a lot of what happened to the west guards is you know and we kind of, we said this a lot during the football season natural prater's the best athlete on the field or in this case on the court and in basketball when you have the best athlete that that can make the world a difference right there yeah and i i, I know uh one thing um that uh, after talking with uh, Charlie Reeve last night at, while I was at the wrestling match and when Miller beat East, yeah. um, 
one thing I noticed on the box, one Miller kid had like four or five threes. Yeah. That's going to hurt. But Charlie said his biggest concern is that he he just feels they don't have any shooters. They they're very athletic. They, they didn't hit a single three against yeah, West, but, which kind of which makes their win more impressive. Yeah. By the way, yeah, they he said that that's what worried him about that team is yeah. that. You know, when you got a, a go-to guy, and they don't have that. Yeah, and, and so, like, Prater can shoot. Uh, Braden Cates can shoot a little bit, but I wouldn't classify either of them as, like, shooters. Like, what, like Alejandro Gonzalez, Sean Meddy for West, like, those, Bo Woods, those guys are shooters. But East doesn't have any shooters. They don't have – they don't really have, like, a go-to guy. Prater's really good, but he's kind of like an all-around, do-it-all type of guy. Braden Cates, the sophomore point guard, was the guy that – stepped in and became like the scorer on Friday night. And I think for East, that's going to be kind of the path of success is on a given night, different guys are going to have to, are going to have to step up. So yeah, it's going to be Cates and Prater primarily. Uh, the one thing in talking after the game to Almanza and both, both Almanza and Cody McDonald, you can, you can tell they talk to each other and they're friends just by what they say to me and how they approach this game. And both of them echoed the sentiment of, you know, this, the rivalry itself is a little overrated. Like, it's just one game. We have a, an entire district season left to play. Mm. And Almanza made the point of, look, we won this game last year, very similar circumstances, and then we weren't very good for the rest of North Zone play. We kind of, you know, our guys didn't get up for that. Now, they, they lost Corpus Christi Miller last night, but Miller's a good team. They only lost to him by five. You mentioned one kid had four threes, and that can – high school basketball, that can absolutely swing a game. I don't think East is – it's gonna be. I don't think it's gonna be like last year where East just doesn't get up for other games. So this group, you know, coming from football, they, you know, they like to win. They know how to win. Um, but it is something to look at. Is okay. Like East got this win. It's time to move on. You know, you still got to win other games in order. You know, if you want to make the postseason, that's what you have to do. And East, you know, they lost to Miller last night. West now gets their shot at Miller. I'm curious to see how that one's gonna go on Friday night, but. Mike, we 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 were both talking about this. I think this is a good topic to talk about on the podcast. Is uh, the games were on the same night, and I think it just takes away from the atmosphere of each game having East and West teams play on the same night at different venues at the same time. It just takes away from the atmosphere of each given game. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, they're a decent crowd at the girls' game. Yeah, and there was a good crowd at the boys, too. But, but. but I mean, really, I, I think it's too bad for the fans, in a way, you know, that they can't get out and watch their team, yeah. that they have to make that decision. Are we going to go to the girls? Are we going to go to the boys' game? And uh, that could be alleviated if they just played on different nights. Right. That's all, all it would take. Now, obviously, somebody's going to have to make the sacrifice and go agree to play either Thursday or Saturday. And actually, I don't know. Well, I don't know if you could play on Thursday because the hour rule. You probably could because there's not there's not much travel involved. So you probably could do that. But uh, that's what's going to take. I mean, if you're as long as the district rules state that you know the boys and girls play separate, then you're going to have this situation. Yeah, this is – I mean, that was something that was – and you could see it for me – at my game, I could see it like in the student section. It, it, like both teams had like a very partial student section. And it was funny at East because it was almost like a packed house. Like it was like pretty close to sold out in the gym. Like there weren't a ton of empty seats. But there wasn't a ton of atmosphere to the game. It was just kind of – it was pretty – for a gym of, you know, thousands of people, it was relatively quiet. And that's something that's like, man, you know, if we had, like, everybody from both sides here, 
it'd probably feel a little bit differently. And it, you know, it's a dis- I think it's a disservice just to both teams, you know, both the boys and the girls, because you want this is the big. These are the two biggest games on the schedule, like for these teams, is East and West in this community's eyes, at least. And to have it be on the same night, so you're splitting the crowd in half right away, it's just uh, it doesn't make any sense. Think about the gate money, guys. Think about the gate money. <laughs> but that that's something that I hope down the line we and I, we're gonna have a similar thing happen here in a few weeks when they play again. But I hope you know in the years to come we can get these you know we can get these boys and girls games on different nights and uh, you know and we we just get we can get better crowds at each of them. Like I went out to Shiner on Monday, the Shiner Lady Comanches. Ranked in the top ten of TABC, ranked in the top five of the Girls Coaches Association poll. They want they beat another top five team in Flatonia last week, 49-47. And th- this is what I was impressed with. Because Shiner Shiner was up 20 at one point. And then with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, it's a tie game. And I I've watched so much basketball. I've been a part of so much basketball where if a team's down 20 and comes back, if you're the team that had the lead. It's so easy to check out. It's so easy to finger point. It's so easy to, oh, it's not going our way. Or, oh, this ref made that call. Or, oh, and any one of a thousand different things. Shiner stayed the course. Shiner stayed composed. Shiner stayed together. And Shiner ultimately won the game. And you look for, I think in basketball, you look for elements of, you know, what what elements do teams have? What attributes do they have? And, Shiner with their a with their level of composure that they have and experience, but then b the the height, the size on the basketball court with Morgan Lenahan, with Riley Vancura, the deep with Callie Sevcik, the you know reigning defensive player of the year in that district. Defensively, that team is really good. I think this is a Shiner team that we're going to be talking a lot about through through basketball season here because I think they have a lot of elements of a team that can go far in the playoffs. And they told me flat out on Monday, like we want to go to the state tournament. Like that is our goal. Something that hasn't been done in a long time, but that's, you know, that's what Shiner is eyeballing. And they, it appears they have the pieces in place to, for that to be a realistic aspiration. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, they have a lot back. Like you say, they have some height. Um, they'll get another challenge from Flatonia when they meet again at, in Shiner. So, uh, I think those two teams uh, have 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 the opportunity to do something. Yeah, we were talking a minute ago about shooters with you know as it relates to Victoria East and Victoria West, the uh, summer Sodek. You talk about how a shooter can change the game. Shiners up seventeen going in the half. They're up at twenty one point in the in the third quarter, and the summer Sodek gets going and completely turns the game on its head. And that's something where. You know, these high school basketball games, generally speaking, are not super high scoring. So if you get if you get a shooter who's just hot that day, who can put in 10 points in a couple of minutes, that that's just a kind of game, you know, like Steph Curry in the NBA, just a real game-changing dynamic. And you can talk into Shiner, they all spoke very highly of Summer Sodek of, yeah, she is really tough to deal with. And that's, I actually like it for Shiner that they're playing that game. I think that's the second the, to last game of the season for them. I like that they're playing that return game at the end of the year, going into the postseason. So they'll, they'll be, you know, have some of those battle scars be tested right before the playoffs begin. And, you know, inevitably you'll take a step up in competition. I, I like the way that, that for both teams as well, for Flatonia as well, to play another team that has the size, that has some physicality. I think that bodes well for them. Whereas, you know, if they play them two weeks prior, you go, 
you know, that district, Flatonia and Shiner, are just the two clear best teams. If you don't have anyone to challenge you for a couple of weeks, it's easy to get complacent. But those two playing each other, I think both teams are going to be on their A game through district play. So I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see how those two teams progress in the postseason because I think we, you know, we we don't, you know, we don't always have, you know, last year Flatonia boys went to the state tournament, but we don't have a lot of basketball teams advance very far in this region. But I think Shiner and Flatonia have a decent chance to do so. Another one that has a decent chance is the Quero girls. And this was one that kind of shocked us. They beat Lavernia by 18 and Lavernia has been a really, really good team. And actually when I talked to Shiner's coach, Christy Peterson, she was, I was really interested to see how that game went. Cause those are Shiner's only two losses is the Quero and Lavernia and the Quero girls and Arisa Carbonara and company. They are, uh, I mean, Mike, they, it looks like they're really, really good. And they're ranked in a TABC poll right now. Yeah, well, anytime you have a player like Summer Sodek, especially on the uh, 2A level, you're going to be a challenge. Uh, I guess the question for them is what what they could put around her. And if, you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, they went into a bad drought against Shiner, and a good team like that, you can't afford to do that. Uh, They made a game of it. But that will be interesting to see next time those two teams meet because – Technically speaking, I guess what we're talking about is seeding on yes. the line. And, uh, of course, Shiner wins. It'll be the first seed if Flatonia wins. So, we'll have to figure out the tiebreaker. But, uh, yeah, that that's going to be uh, – we still, you know, have some things to determine there. Yeah, that's, 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 a, fun, that's a fun one over there with Shiner and Flatonia because those are two teams that could potentially go – That they could potentially go far, and I think it's good they're playing each other towards the end of the season before the playoffs. And Quero and Lavernia, Quero handled them. And, Mike, I know you You know, you know, had talked to Coach Hall over there, and, you know, she was saying, like, this is you know, this is the biggest home game on a schedule. And to blow through them the way they did, yeah. that is good for the Lady Gobblers yeah. over there. I was stunned when I saw that score. I mean, uh, Amy Crane told me before the season, you know, this will be our biggest challenge in district. And apparently it wasn't much of a challenge because uh, – from what I understand, uh, those girls are they're playing well. They're really good. They have a good coach. Um, so I'm, I'm really not uh, not uh, that surprised. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them play. Um, you know, I know Amy's had some teams over there that are good, but just not quite good enough. You know, yeah. to make it. But uh, this group seems like it's it's going to make a run. Well, I mean, yeah, 4A2, it's tough to, right. you know, it's tough to crack through at that level. But, you know, these Quarrel girls, I just remember watching them in volleyball. They had quite a bit of height. And, it, yeah. you know, have some athleticism. And that's a lot of that stuff translates to basketball. I remember watching Shiner in volleyball season. And like, right. oh, man, they yeah. got some size over Not there. Not to mention, you know, Quarrel had some speed on the track. Yeah. So that helps, too. So you combine some height, some speed, and – you're usually in pretty good shape. Yeah, and that yeah, that that's a good one. And then I was, you know, Tuesday night I was out at Goliad for their game against you know, against Carn City and they won that one 54-27. They finished non-district 20 and 3. Uh it's been a good non-district slate for the, you know, good non-district season for the Goliad Tigers and district play, they open up the biggest challenge right away. They're playing Aransas Pass in the district opener and I thought Dason Tinney Anderson said something interesting. He said, you know, Aransas Pass is like the Edna from football season. It, you know, and if we can beat them, that's that's what gets the ball rolling. That's what gets it going. And the goalie had football season, it was very much that way where they beat Edna, and that's what, you know, really kick-started their season. 
a lot of those football guys are now playing basketball over at Goliad, and that that's how they're looking at this. And it Aransas passed the the four time defending district champions over there. That's uh, you know we'll we'll see we'll see how Goliad does over there. There's a you know I there's some things about Goliad I really like. You know, Dason Tinney Anderson. We saw it on the football field. He's a really good athlete that translates over to the basketball court. Colby Rosenquist is you know. He's good. He's a good point guard for them. They have some perimeter size out there. They have some length at the at the guard spots. You mentioned with East and West talking the shooting earlier. What I or with East how they don't have that guy that one guy. And I kind of feel the same way about Goliad basketball. There's not that one guy where you need someone to start a run or you need someone to get a bucket. That's the one thing. It's like okay, and maybe Colby Rosenquist yeah. is that guy. But it just you know, and but they've been blowing out a lot of teams in non district, so it just hasn't had to. Uh, no one's had to be that guy yet, so I think that's if someone emerges, and I think it'd be Colby Rosenquist if it is somebody. If someone emerges as that go to scorer, then this is a Goliad team that has a lot of things going for it because they do have size, perimeter, and inside. They got athleticism, and they do a pretty good job playing defense. Yeah, I, I saw them actually last year against Carn City because uh, I'd gone up to Carn City because uh, Coach Kyle Armstrong, who's from Victoria, had gotten his uh, 200th win. And uh, I watched Goliad play him. And that, that night, uh, Colby Rosenquist was hot, and he was hitting his shots. And uh, that's what Goliad needs. They need to have a guy that's on, that's hitting his shots. And uh, especially that's what they're going to need against uh Aranza's pass. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna need to hit some shots and again. Aranza's pass. This that is the four time defending district champions. They are the powerhouse in the district. And Goliad, they you know, they have you know dreams of a playoff run themselves and a good test for them right off the jump. Certainly, probably their toughest opponent to date when they play Aranza's pass here on Friday night. We're here a message from White Trash Services, and then Mike was out on the wrestling mats. Luckily, he wasn't the one wrestling, uh, but. We're going to hear this message from White Trash Services. I'll talk to Mike a little bit about what's going on wrestling East and West. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm joined by BJ Nelson. BJ, White Trash Services, what is it and and what do y'all do? Well, thank you for asking. We gather trash in the counties around the Crossroads area. We've been in business for eight years, and we have dumpster, trash can, and roll-off companies. And you know y'all are y'all are big advocates for for sports throughout the Crossroads region. Just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area? High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports and especially football. And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll-off, or apply to be a part of your team? You can give us a call at 361-550-1826. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, 8 to 5 during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of those things. All right, we are back. Episode 70 of The Grid. And Mike Foreman was on a wrestling match yesterday at the District Event Center in Victoria. 
And Victoria East getting some dual victories over wet Victoria West and Beeville. Mike, talk to us about you had mentioned that you you thought there was you know one or two kids who really stood out and uh, stood out in this one. Yeah, um, it was interesting. Uh, you know, wrestling is a sport here that uh, very few schools that we cover have. First of all, um, I believe it's limited right now to just East, West, and Beeville. That's mm-hmm. it. And uh, I remember years ago going down to Beeville to talk to Coach uh, Terry Foster, who started the program, and he's been a great coach. He's had some. He's had a state champion. He's done a great job down there. And they came up here, and um, wrestling's always been, you know, kind of one of those sports that it's here, but it's never really. I mean, back in the day of Memorial, when Coach uh, Tom Lupo was here. He was an actual wrestler, so uh, they had a good program then. But for the most part, it's been one of those kind of periphery sports. Well, they're trying to change that, and they're doing a good job. I'll give Coach Jennings and, um, as they call him, Coach TK at West, I'm going to give them credit because they're recruiting. And uh, Coach Jennings told me uh, they have over 50 in their program now at East. And Wes is like 36, 38, something like that. And uh, there are some good wrestlers here. Um, I was uh, uh, especially impressed by Peyton uh, Meachin, um, who, uh, boy, he you can tell uh, he's he's got, you know, he's uh, he's got the technique, he's got the strength, he's, uh, he's in pretty good shape. Um, and, of course, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see Xavier Salazar, which I was hoping to, uh, but there was no one for him to a, wrestle. A state qualifier yeah, last year. Yeah, so there was no one for him to wrestle. And uh, uh, it, I think it's good because um, – and really is something I thought was interesting when I talked to um, the wrestler from uh, East, D'Angelo Salinas. Uh, he said, look, I, I don't catch well. And he has glasses. He said, I don't see that well, but I can wrestle. So it's good. It gives people an opportunity to compete in something and be successful in something where you don't have to be big and strong. And, you know, you have to be physical, but you don't have to be big and strong necessarily. Well, there's weight classes. Yeah, That's because the- you're wrestling people that are about the same size as you. So uh, that's the good thing about wrestling. Uh, the bad thing is because there's no – not a lot of teams around here uh their district uh they have to go all the way up to college station and uh what they were telling me is uh their regional meet would be in dallas this year up there or garland or somewhere up there so that that's kind of unfortunate yeah it's i've been i've been telling people so where i was before in new mexico wrestling is actually like really really big it's a bit like mma is big there as well and um I would tell people, like, I think it's, you know, within the next decade, I think it's going to really catch on in Texas. And my, my logic behind it, my theory behind it is it there's such a connection between wrestling and football. The, skill, the, the, skills, the skills that can be applied for linemen and linebackers in wrestling to the football field. And I think football coaches are going to start, and that's what's happening at East and West right now, where, like, Jennings, the East coach, he's a football coach. He's talking about the recruiting. He's getting all yeah. those football players to come out and wrestle for him. Kamari Montgomery, one of West's better wrestlers, obviously really good football player for them. They're going to take those kids in the, into the wrestling room, 
get their footwork better, get their better with their hands, get them better on balance, get them better with leverage. And it's a transferable skill. And I think these football coaches are going to see that and start funneling some of their kids in the winter towards wrestling. Cause there's a, I think there's a correlation there between wrestling and football that can, that is going to help both programs wrestling to get some better athletes football. You're going to get some more polished kids coming out of the wrestling room. Yeah. I think you're, you, one of the issues I think of course, is you've got, soccer going on yeah. right now you have basketball going on you have powerlifting starting so a lot of these kids may do both i know some of the actual uh there were soccer players yeah. there that were wrestling there you know so it's just a matter of figuring out you know how these can kids can do yeah. as much as they can there are always going to be some kids that you know are just going to wrestle but there are other kids that are going to participate yeah. in more sports yeah, and I want to emphasize anyone who hasn't, you know, who's not really into wrestling or hasn't really seen it, the cardio level in this sport yeah. is absolutely nuts. I cannot stress that enough. And, Mike, you got a first-hand look at it yesterday. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, in a match you have three two-minute periods, yeah. basically. And uh, and those periods, I mean, they're intense because you're on – it's you and the other person, and you're on each other pretty much – the whole time so there's not a lot of room you know for catching your breath now granted i've seen some instances where you know someone might be ahead and they get on top of someone and stall for time you do have that but for the most part you know um you know even uh that's what uh coach tk was telling me about kamari he said you know he was in football shape but wrestling is a whole different thing because you know you may in football, you know, you're going hard for your play, and then you come back to the huddle. And even yeah. if you're hurry up, you're still having a, a little recovery yeah. time. Whereas wrestling, when you're on that mat, I mean, until that two minutes is over, you're you're going at it. Yeah, the conditioning style, I say, is similar to basketball. Where football, you have, like, these explosive things for a mm-hmm. few seconds, and there's a break in between. Whereas basketball i say like you're going like 85 percent 100 percent of the time and wrestling's kind of similar where you kind of have to pick your spots for one big movement but generally speaking you're going like you're trying to hold position or just improve position and it's it is so and you're you're on you know while you're doing this if you're a 205 pound wrestler you're doing all this while carrying another 205 pound wrestler or carrying him on your back or having him on top of you so it's it is such a cardio-heavy sport. For those who haven't seen it, it's, these wrestling meets can be really entertaining. It, I, it, I, I think there's one more here this year. That's what they were telling me. Um, they, that's the other thing. We don't. There aren't a lot of, of wrestling matches here. Well, that's just the area. It's just the area. Like I know East and West, I, yeah. one of them, it might be both of them, are going to Austin this weekend to compete. And that's just you know kind of the life of the programs right yeah. now with how spread out with how spread out the sport is, hasn't quite hit, you know, it's hit the bigger cities, hasn't quite hit some of the more rural places in the state. But I think, I think it's getting there just because of how much we like football and how much wrestling can help with football. I think wrestling is going to, I think wrestling is going to make its way. So it's, you know, fun opportunity for the kids. And again, this is some, it is a it is a mentally grinding sport. There's a reason why all the UFC champions are wrestlers, Mike. There's a reason yeah. why it's a it's a mentally taxing sport. It, you know, no question. I, ultimate respect to the wrestlers out there. We're here this message from Thriving Financial. Then we're talking about some UHV baseball. They're getting out on a diamond this week. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Thriving is a proud sponsor of the Grid. Thriving believes money is a tool, not a goal. 
Thrivent Financial Advisor Carly Herrig works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back. Carly can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. We are back with episode 70 of The Grid. And, you know, I know it's cold out. We had a little cold front coming this week. We're going to have another one coming next week. But the spring is near, guys. The days are getting a little longer. It's not dark at 5 o'clock anymore. And with that being said, UHV Baseball is returning to the Diamond, the defending Red River Athletic Conference champions. They return a lot this year. And I think the the most interesting thing is, Head coach Jonathan Stavanoa, who we're, John, coach and I are friends. You know, we're yeah. both we've both been you know through the mean streets of Las Vegas, New Mexico, <laughs> in our time uh, coming up through uh, up to Victoria. Now, it's his first full. He didn't really get a full off season with the team going into last year, and they win the conference tournament. Now he gets a full off season, a full portal class, a full recruiting class, a lot of returners. I think some good things are on the horizon for the Jaguars this season. Yeah, to me, with UHV baseball, I've always felt this. One is it, it's like any other baseball team uh, pitching. I mean, you got to have pitching to win. Everybody knows that. It's how, and the other for me is depth. Um, you've got to keep your guys eligible. I mean, uh, that's something that every coach deals with. And uh, that to me are the big keys for them this year. Um, you know, especially um, it may it may be more difficult at the NAIA level, not because the players are smarter at D one or anything, but because just the uh, you know it's it's just that most of these guys know that when they're through playing at UHV, they're through playing baseball, so it it becomes a little more difficult because you know there's not that goal of playing in the major right. leagues. Then I'm not going to say it's impossible. I mean, they have had one guy drafted, you know, and and go out. But uh, basically, you know, your your focus is on right now, and uh, that I think Jonathan has gonna done a good job of that, and I think he will. And uh, I think just the fact that uh, they won the conference tournament last year, and uh, you know, made a little run to the semis of the uh, next tournament or the regional the round yeah. um, is going to help because expectations have kind of been raised a little bit. And these guys uh, expect to win. I'm curious to see uh, what he, he when he's talked to me, he seemed to think uh, that his defense will be better, which is going to be critical. And, uh, you know, but like I said, it's, it's going to come down to pitching. Yeah, and they do have. I mean, Mason Longoria's back, Brady Parker's back. So they, you know, those are a couple. You know, right away, a couple of arms that were big, that were played a big role last year. They're back this year. I know they have some relievers back in the back into the bullpen as well. And when I talked to him during the summer, he was he was really excited about the group of guys via the transfer portal, via the high school recruiting mm-hmm. circuit that they had coming in. He was he was excited about that. And this is one where. You mentioned that now it's, you know, the expectations are raised. I think more importantly within the program, the standard has been raised. Mm-hmm. You go and beat the powerhouses in the conference tournament. You go and win the conference, and now it's a realization of, okay, 
we can do that. It's not just, okay, we think we can do it. Now you expect to do it. Now it's, okay, let's go win a a regular season conference tournament. Let's go earn our – can we host a regional starts being the conversations you have about yourself. And that I'm excited to see coming off of last year's success, first year head coach, what they do going into this season. Because, like I said, I think this has a chance to be with the returners they have. And I know I talked to staff and I talked to – you know, I talked to Sam, the SID over there. They're excited about the things UHV baseball can do this yeah, season. I think that's true. Um, the thing I'd like to see them eliminate, which has got them in the past, is bad losses. They've lost games to teams they shouldn't lose to. And uh, Actually, my first day at the Advocate, they yeah. lost to a team they shouldn't. I think it was Houston Tilson. Yeah, was, and I mean, uh, now I'll give Houston Tilson, uh, you know, some credit. Chase Almanderas, you know, alum of UHV, is the coach there, and he's really building that program. But there are – that was one of them. You know, there are games they've lost that they shouldn't, and what that means is it hurts them in the uh, – you know, how they go in in their seating in the conference tournament, which, I mean, they did. They won it last year, but they kind of took a more difficult route to win it. Right. They didn't They didn't yeah. get the bye. They yeah. had, to, you know, they, uh, they really – And I it think stresses your pitching is what it does, yeah. and that's why you want the better the seed, the better off you are. Yeah, you can just get, you know, keep those arms fresh going into yeah. it. But, I, you know, you'll be at – they're doing their media day tomorrow, which is, you know, Thursday the 11th. Yeah. You'll, uh, you know, I'm, you know, you'll be out there tomorrow. I'm excited to see, you know, when they're on the diamond. Which, hey, college baseball starts in February, guys. Yeah. This isn't the major league no, where you start I, in April. And college softball be and high school softball. You know, college uh, UHV is starting their preseason too. I think they usually go to tournaments, you know, to get ready yeah. for the season. And uh, I'm anxious to see how they'll be doing this year too. Yeah, and it's a hey, Ron Davis sent the softball master schedule <laughs> for Victoria, so we're getting that kind that time of year. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The softball in this part of the state is really, really high level between Shiner, defending state champions, Weimer, Hallettsville, who won it a couple of years ago, who brings a lot back. There's a Ganado, lot. you know. Ganado, yeah. That district will be just, you know, just like always, yeah. you know, yeah. be very competitive. Quero returns some girls on the yeah. softball. I mean, gosh, you know, it's all we talk about all these teams being successful and everything. Almost like there's something to it over there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, baseball, softball, track. I mean, yeah. it's not hard to find uh, – successful teams in those sports around here yeah that you know makes it a lot of fun for us but guys we've been talking about it a lot lately and we've gotten all our all area stuff in mike it's uh, yeah i want to personally thank all the football coaches in our area because as of uh, monday i have nominations from every school and that that's great i mean obviously not all these nominees are going to make uh, first and second team but everybody will at least be recognized and that's that's really what we wanted that's why we sought out nominations from the coaches is uh we want to recognize as many people as we can because i mean let's face it uh for the most part we had a pretty good football season and a lot of teams did very well and uh you know a lot of people deserve recognition yeah, and we see that in the signing days as well when we're going all over the place to cover these kids signing to different places. It speaks to the level of talent in this area. And when we get to the next signing day in February, it'll be another situation like that. So we want to recognize the athletes. I'll say for volleyball, we got everything in as well, and we're excited to, you know, 
these next week or so, a couple of weeks, we'll be putting those teams together and we're excited about, you know, we're excited about going and doing that and recognizing all the really good athletes in this area. So, And one thing I should mention, uh, if you're a football coach and you have not got your all-state nominations, I actually got the preliminary ballot on that last night. Um, make sure and get your nominations in to uh, Robert Cessna, who is the uh, – sports editor of the Bryan College Station Eagle. He handles those teams. If you have a question about it, you can contact me and I'll help you with that. But uh, I went kind of scanned through the ballot and I noticed there's some of our teams that don't have any players on the ballot. So, uh, you know, you can't get anybody on Allstate if you don't nominate anybody. So, uh, get you know, you might want to check into that. Yeah, looking into that coach. We want to see our guys on the All-State teams. We want to see them recognized out there. We got some good players in this area. But I think that will just about do it for this week's episode of The Grid. Mike, we're very close to realignment season here now. We're, Gosh, yeah, we're, we're very close to that. So that will be a hot topic of discussion on so, podcasts to come. So I was talking to Kevin Salazar yeah, last night at Goliath. Yeah. And we were shooting some so, ideas. So do you think, I mean, uh, how many nightmares has uh, Charlie Reeve had in the last, uh, you know, well, last month? I'll, so? I'll say this for Charlie. He has a good poker face. Yeah. I don't want to be at the <laughs> poker table with Charlie Reeve. He has a really good poker face. But, no, it is. I mean, East. Yeah, no, I, no idea. It's it's because East and West, when those two schools are put together, it's like, okay, they're going to be the same in every way imaginable. And the campuses are the same, and the colors are the same, and everything's the same. And now they're getting split. And West, it's you can write their district in pen. We know yeah. what it's going to be. East, we have no earthly idea. And it's, no, man, we're, we're looking. And that, you know. I'm curious the ideas that uh, Charlie Reeve and his coaching staff have come up with. And even uh, even today, when I was out at the aquatic center, and the, even the swimming coaches have no idea yeah. what's going to happen with them because really what's happened is the growth in the valley is so incredible mm-hmm. and so many new schools have opened that that's kind of pushed everything yeah. up. And, uh, you know, so they could end up going north or east or west as opposed mm-hmm. to south to Corpus mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, that's going to – well, we'll know that February 1st is fast approaching. <laughs> yeah, it's fast approaching. We're only about, you know, only about three weeks away from that right, right now as we sit here today. So that's, a, you know, that's something I, I was talking to Ke- – I talked with Kevin Salazar for about a half of basketball. So whatever unit of time that is, we talked last night about different realignment stuff, what could happen to their district and – all you know, so he saw something that had him going to Region Three. I don't think Goliad's no, going to Region Three. I don't III. see that. I'll um, but it is you know, everything's out there as we get to realignment. So I just want to drop that little nugget as we end <laughs> the show here today because we're about to it's about to really pick up once again. But everyone, thank you so much for tuning in, episode seventy of the Grid, and we'll see you back here next week.